Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. There's ongoing conflict with the Syrians in the north. So there's this backstory that rolls through these chapters where there's constant conflict where God's chastening Israel through the Syrians in the north and back and forth conflicts and stuff like that. So it's in that background that we come to the text and we'll pick it up in verse 9 with this amazing story of Elisha and his servant and what God did. Now, the king of Syria, that would be Ben-Hadad, was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God, that is Elisha, sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice." Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night, and they surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God, Elisha's servant, arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And so Elisha answered him, Do not fear those who are with us or more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike the people, I pray, with blindness. And he, the Lord, struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria, the city of Samaria. That was the capital of the northern kingdom. And so it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and there they were inside Samaria. Now when the king of Israel saw them, Jehoram, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? But he, Elisha, answered, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you had taken captive with sword and your bow? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Then he prepared a great feast for them, and after they had ate and drank, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. What a great story. Now, it's worth noting after this that a famine came upon Israel, that Ben-Hadad with another Syrian army, but not this one, not this group of guys, but a different group, he came and besieged the city during a great and caused a great famine within the city after this. But in this context, we have just this story and what happened on this day 
and the events related to it with Elisha, Ben-Hadad's army, uh, Jehoram's capital, and all that was going on. This story, as much as any story in the Bible, shows us how much is really going on around us that we often are not aware of. We live in a dimension, as we know, of time, space, and matter. Time, space, matter. TSM, time, space, matter. We're three-dimensional. The universe is three-dimensional. God's triune in nature. We're we're three-dimensional. We're spirit, mind, and body. We live in time, space, and matter. But we realize, based upon the Bible and the Word of God and the promises of God and the truths of God revealed by God in the Old Testament and Jesus coming in the flesh to reveal the Father to us and live the perfect sinless life and die in our place, that there is another dimension around us at all times. There's the spiritual realm, which is another dimension. There's the realm where angels defend us and demons attack us. There's an organized army against the church of Jesus Christ that puts all of its effort into thwarting the church's representation and growth on planet Earth. There's the eternal realm that often comes into the realm of time and supersedes it. Again, when Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were thrown in the fiery furnace by Nebuchadnezzar around 585 B.C., we know that the Son of Man came and walked with them in that furnace, and the furnace that had devoured the fire and taken the life of those who threw them in did not affect them at all that they didn't even have the smell of fire on them, that that dimension of eternity came over that very moment in that very place. And Nebuchadnezzar saw the fourth like the Son of Man, probably the Lord Jesus Christ, walking with them. Then the dimension withdrew, and he had sustained them in it. The spiritual realm, the realm of eternity, supersedes and transcends this realm. Again, you think of other stories, like maybe Peter walking on water. That defies time, space, and matter. That's supernatural. So what that happens is the realm of eternity just comes right over it. Because we know that these bodies are terrestrial, but in glory with the Lord, they'll be terrestrial. We know these bodies are corruptible, but in eternity, they will be incorruptible. We know that we're, we've got a fading glory in this body, and we'll go the way of all men. But we know in eternity, we're going from glory to glory, and we have eternal glorified bodies that they just go from glory to glory. Our universe is multidimensional. We know that there's a new heaven and new earth coming. The book of the revelation of Jesus Christ describes for us glories that are hard for us to understand of the next dimension. They describe the throne room of glory with the Father and the rainbow behind him and the four living creatures and the 24 elders and the throne of Christ and his glory with the scroll there in chapter 5 and the 24 elders singing, worthy is the lamb that was slain for us before the foundation of the world. There's a lot that's going on revealed to us from the eternal realm, that's just kind of hard for us to understand. And yet it is revealed to us. It's sort of like this. There's the math of a pre-K. One plus one equals two, right? Something like that. Then there's math of second grade. Then there's math of junior high. Then there's math of high school and math of college and the math of people who launch rockets like Pastor Anthony Dean. It's a higher level math. But it's all math. And so often when you're speaking to younger kids, and many of you have raised children, now they're adults, I went surfing with my son Timmy today. I don't talk to my 20-year-old son like an 8-year-old son when he was Timmy playing, you know, Little League Baseball at the age of 8, machine pitch, boom, you know, like you talk to Timmy at 8 a certain way there, but when you're, he's 28 and you're just hanging out, a father and a son going surfing, the conversation is different. The cognitive capacities are different. 
So when we talk about the multi-dimensions of time, space, and matter that we're in and the dimension we're going to, the spiritual and the eternal, we might have the ability to understand pre-K math, maybe elementary math, maybe a higher level math. Maybe God shows us more. God showed Paul the Apostle the third heaven, which was so glorious that he had to give him a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble when he showed him such glory. God showed Isaiah the glory of the Lord and the train of his robe filled the temple with glory. And Isaiah had been pronouncing woes on everybody until he saw that. And they said, woe is me. I've seen eternity and the glory. Tonight, this text reminds us there's a spiritual realm all around us, particularly the church that we're talking about right now. The church is the bride of Christ. We're the apple of his eye. He loves us like no man has ever loved his bride. Uh, one man's love for a woman, his soulmate, whatever, it doesn't even come close, as beautiful it is, to the love of Christ for his church as we're gathered here tonight. And in this realm, he is watching over us and he is taking care of us. And if we only filled our mind with negative influences of news and what people say in unbelief, we would forget what really is in play. Because this realm is not the one that subjects the next one, but the one that we're going to and that surrounds us rules over this one. So this text reminds us that we are part of a spiritual kingdom and we need to have spiritual mind and have the mind of Christ and the mind of the Spirit and be spiritually minded. We are a spiritual kingdom. We're told that the church is citizens of heaven. We're told that we're ambassadors of Christ. Unlike any citizenship, unlike any ambassadorship. We are his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We're to preach the gospel to every creature. We're to make disciples of all nations. And we're to let our our light so shine before men that they glorify our Father in heaven because of our good works. We represent a spiritual kingdom. And we're told that Christ in us is the hope of glory. That when we become born again and we pass from death to life, from Adam to the second Adam Christ, and we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that we're born of the Spirit, and now we can see the Spirit. There's the natural man, woman, who's not born again. They can't discern the things of the Spirit other than the Holy Spirit convicting them of sin, righteousness, and judgment to put their faith and trust in Jesus. Then there's a carnal man who understands spiritual things, but they're just carnal. They're like Romans 8. The spiritual person sets their mind on things of the Spirit, and they walk according to the Spirit. But the carnal person sets their mind on carnal things, and they walk according to the flesh. That's what Romans 8 tells us. And then there's the the spiritual man, or the spiritual woman. There's There's three types of men, women, in the Bible. There's the natural, the carnal, and the spiritual. And the spiritual woman, the spiritual man, is what's to be desired. That's the man or woman who wakes up and seeks the Lord. They fill their mind with the word of God and the promises of his word. They seek the Lord. They pray to the Lord. They grow in the Lord. And they come from the Lord as they go out in the world on behalf of the Lord. And their light shines for Christ. That's what we're talking about. They really are representations of Christ and his coming kingdom the way it's meant to be. And this story shows us just how real the spiritual realm around us is. See, some people just reject any idea of the supernatural or the spiritual realm, whatever, even though God's put eternity in everyone's hearts. That's what they choose to do. So their minds are darkened, their hearts are darkened, and that's just the way it goes. Some people confess Christ, but they never fully understand the spiritual things going on around them. 
In fact, during worship, I wrote this down. People who live for the kingdom see the kingdom. See, if you're living for the spiritual kingdom, you will see it. But if you're not living for it, you're not going to see it. Because God tells the man or woman who cares, and he does not tell the one who doesn't. Seek, knock, and ask. So WG, in this story, we're talking about the spiritual kingdom. And tonight we're reminded that we are a spiritual kingdom. We're reminded of some things of the spiritual kingdom. Number one, to see spiritually. In verses 16 and 17, Elisha saw spiritually. He could see the army of God, the heavenly hosts around him in that situation, which is far greater than the army of Ben-Hadad. Would you take the eternal army, the kingdom, the angels, who are supernatural, glorious aliens to this world, whenever they reveal themselves, everyone falls down on their face just like they do when the Lord reveals himself. They're so powerful. They're so awesome. They're nothing like us. They precede us, if such a thing could be said, because they come from a different dimension without time. They worship before the Lord in his presence in the throne room. We're told they're innumerable. They're amazing. Now we're told a third fell with Satan when he was cast out of heaven. That's a pretty safe understanding of application from that text in the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. So we're told the angels are innumerable, but a third. So help us think the way in our dimension, like a two-year-old math, how we could see it. But it's all there. And on this day, Elisha woke up and all his servants sees is Ben-Hadad. All the strength and power of men and women and all their power and all their glory in the world. That's all he sees. And like, we are in trouble. And Elisha's like this. This is what I see. The chariots of fire. Like the one that came for his leader, Elisha. Elijah. Remember, the chariot of fire came for Elijah. One, to take him to eternity. The, the realm of eternity opens up. Here it is, transdimensional. Here it comes. The chariot comes through. Boom! Grabs Elijah. Up he goes. The dimension supersedes it. Elijah's there. It's time, space, and matter. Elijah's going, Oh, my father, my father, my father's. And Elijah's going, See ya. Peace out. And up he goes. And the coat falls to Elisha, which was the sign that he would get the double portion. And he did. And then, boom, it's gone. Just like when Jesus ascended to heaven, up, 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 boom, gone. Different dimension. He's gone to the next dimension, like when you breathe your last. Different dimension. So now Elisha sees it, his elevated, he sees it, and what match is this for that? None. He saw his spiritual eyes and he said to his servant, Don't fear. Do not fear. When we take our eyes off the eternal, when we take our eyes off the angels watching over us, when we take our eyes off the Lord who's calling us and sustaining us, we can become fearful. If you look too long, the devil would like nothing better for you to look at Ben-Hadad's resume. Ben-Hadad's podcast, listen to it. Ben-Hadad's YouTube channel. The devil would just love it if you did nothing but wake up and listen to nothing but Ben-Hadad's worldview and all of his social media posts. That's what Ben-Hadad and the devil would like together. The strength of man to wake up and first think about Ben-Hadad and his YouTube channel. I'm Ben-Hadad. You know, like, that's how the devil rolls. 
But Elisha didn't have time for Ben-Hadad. Elijah's podcast is Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and everyone's going to bow the knee. That's our podcast. You with me? See, what you fill your mind with is going to dictate how you see the world that day. So fill your mind with the person, the work, the promises, and the power of Jesus Christ. And see the chariots of glory, not the chariots of the temporal that rust and become nothing. That's how we need to see it. That's why I don't get... Of course, when you get older, you don't care anymore as much. I just shouldn't say you don't care anymore. I actually care more now than I ever did. But you're not affected as much by things that upset you when you're younger. Nothing makes me sadder than to have someone tell me their parents are in eternity and they were just, all they did was get frustrated watching Fox News or CNN News before they stepped into eternity. Oh my goodness, what a waste of life. Why would you let these people upset you? They have no dominion over us. Christ in his blood and the tongues of fire was a dominion over me and you. We're the church. Nothing happens to the bride that the king doesn't allow our groom, Lord Jesus Christ. So see the chariots. The spiritual kingdom is seen with spiritual eyes, and we need to have spiritual eyes. We need to see things the way God sees them. And again, talking about angels, we're told in Hebrews 11, that, excuse me, Hebrews 1, verse 14, that angels are ministering spirits sent to those who are being saved. So every one of us, when we give our life to Christ, we are told by the Holy Spirit that there are angels watching out for us. So the time you dodged death that you were aware of, good for you. The time that you did and you weren't even aware of, good for you even more. Who even knows how many times the angels of the Lord have protected you and I when we don't even know it? There's times we do know it, but there's times we don't even know it. We're going to get to eternity and we're going to look back and realize that God had these spiritual aliens that are favorable and righteous and holy and glorious. Like, wow. And they're watching over us to see us through in this journey. So why are we going to fret because of Ben-Hadad's army outside our front door on this day in Dothan? Don't fret. When we see his chariots, then the chariots of men mean nothing. I mean, they're real. No, those are real chariots, but these are more real. Hugh Latimer, who was martyred in the Fox's Book of Martyrs, he was uh, encouraged by his neighbors to renounce his faith in Christ. And they said, Hugh, life is sweet and death is bitter. You should renounce right now and avoid this. He goes, yes, but the life to come is more sweet and the death to come more bitter. And Hugh Latimer was put like the dunce cap on his head the next day, marching through town and burning at the stake in front of his fellow citizens in his village. See, the life to come is more sweet and the death to come is more bitter. And we need to have spiritual eyes that we never lose that perspective. By the way, in Fox's Book of Martyrs, one of the most famous books ever written, there is, to my recollection, no one that's ever burned at the stake that ever confirmed that the flames hurt them. And even if they did, what is that for a moment, right? Like, just what is that for a moment, right? Severe pain and a fire. Obviously, it's horrible, but what is that for a moment? In the next dimension, it means nothing. It's just more glory for the next dimension. But in Fox's Book of Martyr, time and time again, they say, hey, if we raise our hands in the flame, you know the flames didn't burn us. And people are being burned alive, and they're raising their hands to the Lord in the Fox's Book of Martyrs, according to the record of the church in the last 2,000 years. It's worth noting, it doesn't have to be that way. But that's the record of how it is in the Fox's book, in John, uh, I think it's John Fox's Book of Martyrs. One of the most famous books right there, Pilgrim's Progress, the Bible. There's a few that have had that much distribution in human history. We're told in Ephesians, so we're talking about our eyes being open to the spiritual things. 
and in the context, it's spiritual protection from Ben-Hadad's army. But in looking at our eyes being open, of course, we're told in Colossians, eyes not seen nor ear heard those things that God's prepared for those who love him and his appearing. So, you know, we're, we're asking God to show us things that we don't fully understand spiritually. But I like this text in Ephesians. I thought about this today and meditated on this text where Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church, the church universal for us tonight, where he said, I do not cease to give thanks for you in chapter 1, verse 16, making mention of in my prayers. So how is Paul praying for us tonight? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceedingly greatness power of his power toward us who believe. Now that's what we want our eyes open to. Yes and amen? I'll just read it again because we should think about this more than once. And I review my notes all the time from books I read, so I'll read it again. Making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, that's the church, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Though sometimes it feels like time, space, and matter is a road game, it's always a home game for the church. Because Jesus is over everything. What that text tells us is from here to eternity, he wants to help our understanding, to open our eyes to understand how great he is and the riches of his glory and all the riches of his gospel of grace and all that he's done for us. That we just be transformed from glory to glory as we meditate upon him and his word and his promises and what he's doing in, his li- in our life. That our hearts will be filled with gratitude and thanksgiving as we go through this journey that we call life, knowing that Christ is on the throne and he's our high priest that ever lives and intercedes for us. And he's got our back in all things. Our eyes need to be open. The, the spiritual kingdom requires spiritual eyes and it's the desire and the will of the Holy Spirit for all of us who confess Christ to understand daily a greater depth of the reality of the angels watching over us, the innumerable witnesses cheering us on, Hebrews 12.1 tells us, and that God is for us to open understand. WG, body of Christ, see it. Take time to slow it down and see the kingdom. See it. So the next time you just all, everyone arms like, it's Ben and Dad. You just go, no, it's those chariots of glory. That's what we need to see. And it's there for us. And we see it through the eyes of faith. The second thing we see in this text of the spiritual kingdom is to believe spiritually. Faith and belief and trust, they're, they're, they're kind of interchangeable words in the Bible. We're saved by faith. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and confess him with your heart, you shall be saved. We're told to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, lean not on our understanding. So faith, we're told in Hebrews that uh, looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, we have an object. We're, faith is the things, substance of things hoped for, that it's not yet seen. So that's what faith is. It's directed toward Jesus. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith is this whole element. We are saved by faith. We're justified by faith. We walk by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Paul said in the Corinthian epistle. So we understand that. And then, like, but so we believe. And I say, oh, we're believing in God for this. And if you're believing in God for anything, He promised good for you. And if you're not, then step up your game. 
because all the promises in Christ are yes and amen. There's no children of a lesser Savior in this room. If we're saved through faith in Jesus Christ, all those promises are yes and amen for all of us. The only issue is whether or not we apply them to our life and believe it to be so. That's the only issue. There's no children of a lesser God in the kingdom of God. We're all saved by grace and that through faith. And all those promises are yes and amen. So the people that live super fruitful lives of faith and productive in their journey, whether it's 20 years, 40, 60, 80, or 100, they do so because they believe those things and they live by faith. They take steps of faith. They stretch their faith. They grow their faith and they go for it with their faith. And some people have great faith because they've learned to live that way. And some people have little faith because they've never exercised their faith. I want to stand before the Lord having gone for it big time. Don't you? You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless. God bless.